Keep it locked right here. You're in the field with Trackstar Sports. What's going on? This is Sean David Grant, CEO of Trackstars, and you are in the field with Trackstar Sports. Yeah! Hey, how y'all doing? This is Rick Sincere with Trackstar Sports. So happy to be here with you today. There are a lot of things that we have to talk about, but what I really want to get into today is the draft grades for the NFC South. And so I will go by team by team looking at their overall draft grades, and from there I will get into kind of what, what, I'm, what, what I like to give them as a grade, right? What do I believe um, should come from their... Um, their NFL draft. And so I got a chance to watch the draft. Um, I watched it basically almost in total, man, from um, from the first round. I had to tape and record all the way down to the very last pick. It was an incredible draft in Dallas. There were some really fun things that happened at the draft. Shaquem Griffin getting drafted in the, um, I think that was in the fifth round. I th- yeah, I think it was somewhere in the fifth round. The whole fourth round went on, and, and he didn't get drafted. But I think somewhere in the fifth round, the Seattle Seahawks selected Shaquem Griffin, and he got a chance to go um, to play with his brother. It was a really amazing thing to watch unfold. Um, I'm not going to lie to y'all, man. To be honest with you, it was one of the times that I was like, oh, man, I might cry. Like, I'm watching, and I'm looking at the situation. I'm like, I may cry here. And um, and I, I shed a tear. I mean, I didn't like sob, but it was like at least two, three, four manly tears that got dropped um, watching that story unfold. But actually not even watching the story, but more so listening to him talk to his family. So that was a really, um, really great part of the draft. David Akers, it can't be understated how awesome David Akers is, right? Um, Watching him do his thing during the draft, that was incredible. That was absolutely incredible to just watch him sit there and berate the Dallas Cowboys, knowing that they started it last year. All of that stuff was really fun um, to watch unfold. But, um, you know, that's neither here nor there. Let's get into the actual NFL draft for the NFC South. And so I'm going to go team by team and just kind of give you um, my grades based on my understanding of who they selected in this draft. And so I'm going to start off with the Atlanta Falcons. The Atlanta Falcons selected Calvin Ridley, wide receiver out of Alabama, um, for their first draft pick. Their second pick was Isaiah Oliver, cornerback out of um, Colorado. Their third pick was um, Dedrin Sinet, um defensive tackle out of South Florida, Edo Smith, um, was their um, was their fourth draft pick running back out of Southern Miss, um, Russell Gage, and then Foy Olu Kuhn, right? Um, and so, and I may be really butchering that last name, but here we go. It's when I look at their draft overall, um, I give this an A minus, and I'll tell you why I give this an A minus. And some people may be like, "Man, you must be grading on a serious curve." But here's why. I look at the Atlanta Falcons, and here's what I see. You have Julio Jones on the outside. You have Muhammad Sanu on the outside. When they go up against the Saints as a division champion, the Saints have Marshawn Lattimore who can cover Julio Jones. And and if you don't believe he can cover him, at least he can give him fits because if you watch them play, he he at least has to respect the coverage ability of Marshawn Lattimore, and I, I've seen this on several occasions, right? On the other side, Muhammad Sanu can be guarded so he he can be covered. So Mohamedson, who can be covered by cornerback Ken Crawley for the New Orleans Saints, and but in that third 
cornerback spots for them, they're lacking. And I think um, the Atlanta Falcons and the Saints have probably about the best cornerback, um, like the best defensive back core out of anybody. And so they know um, they, they know that they have to shore up, or they have to at least free up some people. And their tight end um, hasn't been phenomenal over the past year, even though he had a really decent year last year, right? But um, and it was his rookie year, so. But outside of that, they haven't really had a chance to really attack the middle of the field. I believe Calvin really comes in and immediately adds to their slot um, receiver position. They lost Taylor Gabriel in the off season. Having somebody like a Calvin Ridley who runs really good routes, who's a fast receiver, and who's somebody I've consistently said will be a better receiver in college. I mean, in the NFL than he was in college. I believe that um, selecting Calvin Ridley was a really good defensive pick. Now, they could have went in the opposite direction and chosen a defensive tackle here or either another defensive end. Um, and a lot of people would have applauded that pick. If you were here in Atlanta, you would get a chance to hear them over the radio. They kept talking about defensive tackles, defensive tackles, defensive tackles, going through the available ones. Um, but they didn't address defensive tackle until the third round. So in the second, they got a, a player, well, they got a um, cornerback out of Colorado, Isaiah Oliver. Isaiah Oliver was the 58th ranked player overall. And Isaiah Oliver is actually, um, I, I think he's going to be a really good cornerback. I think what he'll do is immediately add to the slot. So they have Robert Alford on one side. They have Trufant on the other side. I think Isaiah Oliver can really start off in the slot and really um, help to add to their coverage. Same thing when you look at the um, wide receiving cores around the league. They, I mean, around at least the division, they haven't um, had that third corner. They just haven't had that third cornerback. If you remember back in the Super Bowl, it was their third cornerback who, who was in his rookie year who was getting roasted um, in the slot. And, and that's well, that's been pretty much their issue, not having a good solid slot corner. So they went after Isaiah Oliver, and hopefully he adds to their overall um, secondary. Now, um, Deidre's seen it. Defensive tackle out of South Florida. Like I said, when I was listening to them talk, they were begging, and I mean begging for a defensive tackle. It, it was they kept running through the names of all the defensive tackles that were available, and, and Senate feels the need for them because they need some type of pressure on the inside. They don't have a really great inside rush, especially since Babino is getting a little bit older. Um, they need some type of rush on the inside. Since losing Don Terry Poe, or at least the Don Terry Poe situation not working like they thought it would work out, um, they they needed a defensive tackle. A lot of people believed, and I believe this also because they kept talking about it, Taven Bryant, um, defensive tackle out of Florida, would have been the pick right there. But it, he wasn't the pick, and they went with who they thought would be the best receipt, well, best player on the board, which was Calvin Ridley at the time. Another um, selection for them that stands out were two more selections. Ido Smith, running back out of South um, Southern Mississippi. He has great feet, good hands, um, pretty good speed. Ido Smith, um, a lot of people consider him a very underrated prospect. I think he re- he's really going to add to what they already have in Devontae Freeman and Tevin Coleman. I think having that Ido Smith really helps out because they haven't had that third guy. And that third guy, he's been a little bit missing. Ward is somewhat of their third guy, but he's not as dynamic as I believe Ido Smith is. And so I think, um, and I think I'm, I'm maybe really butchering Ido too, but um, or maybe Ito, I don't know. But um, I know 
this running back won't be uh, a really good fit for the Atlanta Falcons because they like to throw the ball out of the backfield and having more people who can having more running backs who can catch the ball out of the backfield is a really good thing for them. Russell Gage is another um, wide receiver, another prospect that stands out for me. He was a really good player with LSU. The only problem is with LSU, like it is all the time, they haven't had great quarterback play. So I think Russell Gage is really somebody who can really step up and do well under Matt Ryan. He's another prospect who can have a better um, career in the NFL than he did in college. I really like Russell Gage. I know they got him late in the draft, but this kid really can be a good player. And I believe that the Atlanta Falcons, got, you have to pay attention to what they're doing. They consistently grab LSU players. They consistently grab players from LSU, put them on the roster because they believe in that roster. And if you watch, most teams have a go-to team when things get tough. There's a go-to team where they trust those particular prospects. And Russell Gage from LSU, um, I think this is a situation where they said, hey, you know what, we trust the program. We we think the player can be a lot better here than he was there. So overall, um, A-minus for the Atlanta Falcons. Um, yeah, A-minus overall. We'll, we'll see how it all turns out. Their last pick was the number um, 200 overall rated um, linebacker. Uh, out of um, well, sorry, Norman, two hundred overall rated player, a um, player out of Yale. So, a minus for them. Carolina, um, Carolina did something that I really liked. I really enjoyed what Carolina did here. Um, one thing that I loved about what Carolina did was they went after a great wide receiver in DJ Moore, and so. And if you were listening to me as I watched the draft at first, I wasn't as high on DJ Moore as I was on Calvin Ridley. And I still am a little bit more favored towards Calvin Ridley because I believe in um, I believe in that system. And I believe he didn't get a fair shot in college to really show who he was. But DJ Moore is somebody who Steve Smith was enamored enamored with DJ Moore. He was talking about him consistently. He was like, man, having DJ Moore, if you get a DJ Moore, they haven't replaced me until today. And now I've been replaced and DJ Moore is my replacement. And I think having somebody like a DJ Moore for Carolina can help Cam Newton a lot. They haven't really had a wide receiver that can really hurt you. And you believe that they can hurt you with speed, with speed, they haven't had that um, since Steve Smith left. They haven't had a wide receiver like that. They went after the bigger body individuals because they wanted to play more of, of almost like basketball kind of. They every receiver for them was really big and really tall, right? And so the receiver that they have now, nobody fits this this mode to where they can go out and beat you with speed and route running ability. And now this guy, DJ Moore, is supposed to DJ Moore from Maryland, he's supposed to be the guy who can come in and do that kind of stuff. He runs about four four, four four forty, um, really tough, really strong. And they believe that he's somebody who they can really use in Carolina. And I think he'll do a lot for Cam Newton in that offense. So um the other another great pick for them was Dante Jackson, cornerback out of LSU. I say great pick for them because I saw Dante Jackson play. And Dante Jackson is somebody who I believe has a lot of confidence and who will excel at the NFL level. 
He is a burner. And when I say burner, I don't mean regular, normal. He is extremely fast. He thought he, he's fast, but he's not as fast as he thought he was. But he, he thought he would actually, on that day, when, during the combine, actually break um, the fastest record. He thought he would break John Ross's record that day for the combine. He did not. Um, but at the same time, he ran really well. He ran well at um, the combine. He also ran well at his pro day. Dante Jackson is somebody who I believe has really good coverage skills. I remember watching him and saying that not a lot of people were testing him as much. And I don't think they were because he has elite speed. So I'm excited about Dante Jackson. I think he'll do well with Carolina. No, know this. Carolina needs a cornerback. They need cornerbacks that they can believe in. They really do. So they addressed cornerback twice in this draft. Rasheen Goldman, I mean, I'm sorry, Golden. They they addressed it twice, um, and we'll see how that all turns out. One of their other pretty curious moves that I really liked. Now, some people may not like this, but I like this. I remember um, in the fourth round, Carolina jumps up, and they pick Ian Tom- Thomas. And so picking Ian Thomas, I thought that was a really good move. They jumped up and picked tight end Ian Thomas. And I thought that was great. And the reason I did is because you have to kind of pay attention to what's going on, right? You're not gonna have you're not gonna have Greg Olson for, I don't know, the next 10, 12 years. Greg Olson won't be there for the next 10 or 12 years. You're going to need, and when I, let's, let's kind of scale that back a little bit. You won't have Greg Olson for about the next four or five years. You're going to need somebody there who can eventually take over. Ed Dixon left, and you have to feel that. Something, somebody has to come in and fill that role. Ian Thompson, I think, is a really good person to fill that role. Um, I think he'll start off as a backup, and I think eventually he'll take over for Greg Olson. So um, Marquise Haynes. Is somebody else, linebacker out of Mississippi. Um, I believe overall um, in this draft, I think the Carolina Panthers did pretty well. I'm going to give them a B plus for this draft, mainly because of DJ Moore and Dante Jackson. But the pick I really love that bumps this grade up from what I will believe be more like a C minus um, is going up and selecting Ian Tom- Thomas. I think that was a really good and very smart move, especially for this situation. So Carolina gets a B plus. Now we get into a bit of a heart play, but we'll get into that right after this. Hey. I often ask myself, what are the most awesome, incredible, wonderful, phenomenal people in the world doing right now? And you know what they're doing? They are listening to Trackstar Sports on Anchor or on iTunes. That's what they're doing. Every Monday through Saturday, sometimes on Sunday, just for the music. That's what they're doing. Sometimes they just go back and they listen to some of the old episodes just to kind of get a vibe of where we've been. Sometimes they call in. Sometimes those awesome, phenomenal people will just even text some stuff in the anchor comment section just to kind of let us know that they're listening and they they have their own opinion about what's going on. Sometimes the most amazing people in the world go to our Facebook page and they look for Debate Fuel Facebook group and they want to know, hey, how can I get in? Some of the most awesome people even go to our Trackstar Sports Facebook page just to see the new articles that are up or even the links to Anchor things that they want to see personally. They are the most phenomenal people on earth and they do this weekly. I'm so thankful for those people. Those incredible, awesome, wonderful people who go to our Twitter page, our Instagram page, and they want to find out what's going on with Trackstar Sports. I love those people because those people are the absolute best. 
Hey, you're awesome, you're incredible, and you're amazing. And that's why you're listening to Trackstar Sports right here on Anchor. You is kind. <laughs> Shut up. You is special. <laughs> you is important. <laughs> and that's why you choose to listen to Trackstar Track Sports on Anchor. Hey, how you doing? Welcome back. This is Rick Sincere with Trackstar Sports. Now it's time to get into the New Orleans Saints and what they did in the draft. And what they made, the move they made in the draft was probably one of the most controversial moves of the entire draft. One of the most surprising moves, one of the most aggressive moves, and could be one of the most boom or bust moves of the draft. Now, I'll take you back for a little while. I'll take you back, and this is how far we'll go back. We'll go back to the draft day of Julio Jones. I remember vividly sitting there watching the Falcons jump up really high in the draft to go and select Julio Jones. They believed in his talent and ability so much that they felt they needed to jump a bunch of teams in order to get a chance or get a shot at Julio Jones. They did that. They jumped up, they got Julio Jones, and he has been a staple of their franchise for a very long time. That jump was very, very worth it. Another time you thought it's it worked out extremely well was when you looked at the Eagles and what they did and what they gave up to go and select Carson Wentz. That worked out really well for the Eagles. Great move, extremely smart. This year, there was a few different moves a couple of teams made to move up and select their guys. But this, by far, was probably one of the craziest. The last time I remember the Saints doing something like this was, I think, in the 2003 draft when they moved the number 17th pick and the number 18th pick to jump up to number 6 so that they can select Jonathan Sullivan. That kid was an extreme bust. A very huge bust. And so I'm hoping that this situation is more like a Julio and a lot less like a Jonathan Sullivan. So what they do in this case, they moved up. They didn't have the draft capital in this year's draft. So they borrowed some draft capital from next year. So they took their 27th pick and then whatever pick they get in the first round next year, along with the fifth round pick, sent that to the Green Bay Packers for a chance to move up from 27 to 14. So they can select defensive end Marcus Davenport out of UTSA, uh, University of Texas, um, San Antonio. Now, when you do film study on Marcus Davenport, here's what you'll see. You'll see a kid with speed. You'll see somebody who who doesn't have a lot of pass rush moves. I watched him for a really long time, and I didn't see a ton of pass rush moves, but I saw him consistently next to the quarterback. He's either press, pre, pressuring the quarterback because he has a really strong bull rush, or he's he's getting there from some type of scheme blitz. He has the, but mostly he's beating people off the ball. He has the ability to beat people off the ball if, if the person who he's going up against doesn't possess elite strength. 
But if they have elite strength, then sometimes if have elite strength and good footwork, sometimes he can get caught up on the ends. Even though he could be somewhat pressure in the pockets, he rarely releases. He doesn't shed blocks well, and that shedding of blocks is a pretty decent. I mean, that's that's a really big. Um, deal for a defensive end, especially if you're going to be productive from the standpoint of sacking the quarterback. I haven't seen him shed really good offensive tackles well, and that's been the biggest issue that I have with Marcus Davenport. Now, Marcus Davenport can really, at the end of the day, turn out to be a phenomenal player. He could be a five- or six-year pro bowler. I don't know. But at the end of the day, I don't know if the if what they paid will actually be what what they paid will actually equate to what they'll get from Marcus Davenport. Here's what I do know though. If you look at the New Orleans Saints, one of the biggest one of the biggest most um concerning issues that they've had is not being able to pressure the quarterback. Sean Payton has consistently had issues with not being able to put pressure on the quarterback. You can see him looking at the defensive coordinator over and over again angry because they are not blitzing or the linemen that they have are not getting there. So they thought it was a need pick. Sean mentioned it a ton in the offseason. It's a need pick. It's a must for us. It's a must for us to be able to address that. They tried their best to address it in free agency, but every single time the New Orleans Saints try their best to go out and get a player of this caliber in free agency, everybody who releases, and not not releases, but who um, who's supposed to be released or at the end of their contract, they either get franchised or they get re-signed. There aren't a lot of players like this on the open market. And so because of that, he's like, we have to draft one. Now, the only chance that they were going to have at a good pass rusher, and not elite, but a good pass rusher was Harold Landry. If they would have stayed put, I think they would have had a shot. Actually, they would have had a shot at Harold Landry. And Harold Landry is a very good rusher. He's a very good rusher. Somebody who, and here's his deal. He has very good rush moves. Marcus Davenport is more of a trades guy. He's 6'7", or close to 6'7". He runs a 4'5", in the 40. He is a trades guy. He is very raw, but very motivated, humble, quiet guy who Sean Payton likes. He thinks he'll do well in the locker room. At the end of the day, I don't know how this is going to turn out, but I do know this is one of the riskiest picks in the draft. So this is boom or bust, and the actual grade three years from now will really depend on how well Marcus Davenport does. But we can go through the rest of these. Traquan Smith is a another wide receiver that they were able to acquire from U, um, UCF. Um, Traquan Smith did pretty well in the senior bowl. He caught a touchdown in the senior bowl. Um, really good wide receiver. They lost Willie Sneed to the Baltimore Ravens in the offseason. They need somebody to kind of fill that slot role. They have now Cameron Meredith from the Bears. They have Michael Thomas, who's going to be entering his third year. And they also have now Traquan Smith. They have Brandon Coleman. Um, but Brandon Coleman is more of a blocking specialist. And then Ted Ginn Jr., who is not somebody you can always depend on. That speed is old speed, but it's reliable old speed. And it's real speed, too. So um, so still, they, they have some type of threat, right? But now you have to replace your slot guy. They had really bad problems or issues with third down efficiency. 
very huge issues with third down efficiency. They're trying to attack that from the wide receiver position. They were initially going after the tight end position to do that. That's why they went after Jimmy Graham in the offseason, um, and that's why they brought back a Ben Watson. However, going with um, a wide receiver here, Trey Quan Smith, I think is a smart move for them, and we'll see how that all plays out. I really wish they would have went after somebody like a DJ Chalk, but I think he was gone by that point in the in the third round because they skipped their second round pick because their second round pick from this year went for Elvin Kamara. And if you factor that in to this grade, it, w- it would change the whole grade. Does that make sense? But I'm not going to factor it in because I believe your draft grade is what your draft grade is that year. So let's keep going. They also went with Rick Leonard. A converted defensive tackle um, and now a offensive tackle. And so a lot of people are skeptical about that pick. But Sean Payton says he's going to immediately see, uh, he sees a role for him in the jumbo packages, which is something New Orleans goes to a lot, especially when they're close to the goal line. He also sees a role for him um, as the sixth offensive lineman, filling that role that Senio Calamente had last year with the New Orleans Saints. And so, um, they see, they see a pretty decent role for Rick Leonard. Um, a lot of people were upset about that pick because there were so many other great players still left on the board at pick. Um, I forgot which pick this was, but um, at the pick, I remember um, they said there was a lot of people left still on the board in the fourth round. So they thought it would have been in the Saints' best interest to go a different route at that point. I think Josh Sweat was still on the board. He's somebody who's a defensive end who would have actually um, served as somebody who could have been an insurance policy just in case Marcus Davenport didn't work out as well. But they went Rick Leonard because Sean knows he understands completely. Here's the situation. Teron Armstead is their left tackle. Teron Armstead gets hurt a lot. And when I say a lot, I mean a lot, lot. Like at least he's hurt, I don't know, um, four or five times a year. He's always hurt. And because he's always hurt, Sean Payton knows the value of having offensive linemen, especially offensive linemen that can move around and have some type of position versatility. So he's somebody who they think they can bring in. They know he's a little raw. And I think the theme of this draft is raw but talented. I think that's the theme of this draft for the New Orleans Saints, but we'll see. Anyway, um, another pick, Natrell Jamerson. People were excited about that pick. Um, Mainly Mike Mayock was excited about it. He called this guy the steal of the fifth round. I don't know if he's a steal of the fifth round. He does have the – he has speed and the ability to play safety and cornerback. And so I see him as a contributor um, day one because they like to go with a lot of three safety packages and they don't – they no longer have Kenny Vaccaro. And because they don't have Kenny Vaccaro, bringing in this kid I think really can help them in the end. Um, They went with Cameron Moore Um, after that. I see this kid, and correct me if I'm wrong when it all plays out, but I see him as somebody who may get cut. And I mean that. Based on watching him on film, I was not really impressed. Not in his back um, backpedaling, not in his ability um, to cover receivers one-on-one or down the field or especially on deep balls because of his lack of speed. I wasn't extremely impressed by Cameron. I think it's Cameron more, um, but I may be completely wrong. I may be completely wrong and if I'm wrong then I would love for Cameron Moore to prove me wrong and go out there and be one of those guys um, who can really you know kill it and, and contribute as a as a cornerback 
but he looked like somebody who um, who may not make it through the final cuts based on the available players that are out there. Delvin Bro is still out there for the New Orleans Saints. If they ever want to go and get him, he's still out there. He's on the streets, and he'll come at a cheaper price. Delvin Bro is somebody who badly wants to play for the Saints, and in my estimation, based on watching Delvin Bro and then watching film of Cameron Moore, I would choose Delvin Bro every time. So the other thing um, that I think will be really good for the Saints is Boston Scott. So Boston Scott is a kick returner. He is, I think he'll be the starting kick returner by the time the preseason is over. As long as he doesn't fumble the ball, he's about five foot six. He runs a four four in the forty. He's tough. He's elusive. He's one of the most elusive running backs um, out. He's from Louisiana Tech, and and. He's very, very good. He has great vision. So I see him as somebody, um, just watching him on film, he does remind me of Darren Sproles. He can catch the ball out of the backfield. He is somebody who can really add um, to that overall running back core. And they need that second guy after Kamara because if something happens to Kamara, at this point there's no guy like that. I think Boston Scott is that type of guy who can come in just in case something were to happen and still fill that role as um is this flex running back, right? I'm um, this this running back who has the ability to catch out of the backfield and run through the tackles. He became um, Louisiana Tech's primary running back at some points, he, even though he did struggle, as somebody would expect with a 5'6 running back. He did struggle at the goal line, and I think Sproles really excels in that role, and this guy kind of struggled in, in, in that role. But at the same time, I see him um, as somebody with – elite vision he was he's even faster than Sproles was at this time and so we'll see how that all plays out will clap with their last draft um with their last um pick he fulfills this thing that people want to hear everybody in louisiana wants the saints to draft somebody from louisiana state university they're not even as um they're not even as satisfied when it comes from louisiana tech because LSU is closer to New Orleans, people want somebody to come from LSU. This feels that will clap as a center. I see him as a backup and somebody who can possibly add um, to the overall team. A lot of people like Will Clapp, and I think at the end of the day, he'll be great. I didn't see a lot of rush coming up the middle against um, LSU this year. So to me, um, and I haven't studied him extensively, but to me, eh, we'll see. Maybe the backup. This I have to grade this overall class as a B minus in my mind. I think there was still some things that they didn't feel like. Um and if if Natrell Jamerson actually turns out to be a really good cornerback, if Cameron Moore turns out to be a really good cornerback, then I'll have to change this grade. But for right now, um, I still need them to have at least a third cornerback based on what's happening in the division. They also didn't get a great outside linebacker in this case. Now, having a Marcus Davenport as a rush or edge um, linebacker is great, right? Or edge guy is great. I think they need somebody who's a good coverage linebacker. They still need that. They're still missing that. And even when they jumped up and selected Marcus Davenport, there were a couple of really good um, linebackers still left on the board, and I really wish they would have kind of thought about that a little bit more. But that's just in my world. Um, but that's 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 pretty much it. I give this grade a, a B minus. We'll see how it all plays out. All right, now for the last one, I want to go with the Tampa Bay Bucks, and let's go through their selections. Vita Vea with their first defensive tackle um, out of Washington. Vita Vea, beast. That's pretty much all you need to know about Vita Vea. 
Vita Vea is somebody who played running back in high school. And when I say running back in high school, you probably are looking at the situation and maybe imagining some big dude who just runs at the goal line, something similar to what Warren Sapp did in his day. No. This is not that. This is a really big, fast, strong guy in high school looking like a legit running back, running for long-distance touchdowns, long-distance touchdowns, who went in the open field and people would just, you know, kind of move the other way because they didn't want any piece or taste of Vita Vea. Vita Vea was a good running back in, in, in high school and a good defensive player. In college, I think he's going to really add to this Bucks defensive line. This Bucks defensive line looks so scary right now, y'all. Y'all don't even, you, you probably can't even think about what's going on over there. But Vinny Curry's on one side, Jason Pierre Paul's on the other, Gerald McCoy is in the middle along with Vita Vea. Man, look, it's, there's going to be problems. There's going to be a ton of issues getting through that defensive line. This defensive line really, to me, rivals the line that's in um, that's in Los Angeles with the Rams right now. This is going to be a great offensive line. After that, though, I wasn't super impressed by what else happened with the Bucks. Um, Ronald Jones is somebody who fell a little bit in the draft because he had not a great combine, didn't have a really good pro day, but some people still believe he's somebody with speed. He plays the role of somebody who can replace Doug Martin, who left and went to the, um, I think he went to the Los Angeles Raiders, or I'm sorry, the Oakland Raiders for right now, but we'll see how that all changes. Um, but Ronald Jones is somebody who can really come in, and if he can live up to his potential and what he did when he was in college, then I can see him being a really good player. If he does not, then I'm, I'm unsure. So the Bucks needed a lot of help in their secondary. They went after MJ Stewart, defensive back. Um, out of North Carolina. They also went with Carlton Davis, cornerback out of Auburn. We'll see how those two um, players actually add to their secondary. They still need secondary help. It's it's one of their worst situations. It's one of the worst situations for them. Um, Alex Kappa is an offensive guard out of Humboldt State. Um, a lot of people compare him to Ali um, Ali Marpet, somebody who really rose later on in the draft last year, who was coming out of a small school, who was a really good, strong trades guy, but also somebody who can really um, do well in the offensive line. Alex Kappa may be somebody just like that. Jordan Whitehead is a safety from Pitt. Um, Justin Watson wide receiver from Penn and Wisconsin linebacker Jack Clicky. Um, overall, I look at this class and the the story of this draft will be two things for the Tampa Bay Bucks. How great is Vita Vea and can he really live up to all the, the hype? Can he really be the type of player that he was supposed to be? If he can really live out his full potential, this guy could turn out to be um, Haloti Nada. He could be Indomitian Sue-like. He can be an incredible force um, for the um, Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I'm excited about him. Um, and also Ronald Jones. Will he really live up to his potential? Or is what we saw at the pro day, is what we saw at the combine, is that real? And he's really not as good as we believe that he was based on his productivity in college. What happens with these two cornerbacks? That's going to really play in to how well um, this draft is graded. And Alex Kappa, can he really add to that offensive line? I am unsure because I I thought that there were a few different areas Tampa Bay needed to address. Even though they got Justin Watson, wide receiver from Penn State, later on in the draft, I still believe they need some other wide receiver opposite of Mike Evans that's going to strike fear in the hearts of 
other defenses. Now, Deshaun Jackson was supposed to be that guy. He didn't turn out to be that guy last season. So who is that guy for you? I really don't know. Yes, they have two really good tight ends. But at the end of the day, I don't know who's the other guy on the other side um, actually adding to the weapons for Jameis Winston. So in my situation, I still think that's something that's out there. But this Vita Vea pick is really, really, really good and juicy. Um, man, it, it's it's so tough. There were cornerbacks on the board that I believe that that could have really helped, right? Josh Jackson, I think, was still – Josh Jackson was still on the board around the Vita Vea pick. Um I'm 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 so torn on this one. I want to go ahead and give the Bucks. In my estimation, I give the Bucks. Um, let's give them a B minus. I'll give them a B minus. Um, in my in my grades, I'm giving them a B minus because I really love the Vita Vea pick. Um, I'm sorry, no, I'm dropping them. Give them a C. I give the Bucks a C, even though I love the Vita Vea pick. I think that's great. Um, I think the Ronald Jones pick is a bit. Close to good. We'll see how great he turns out to be. But for the rest of this draft, I'm unexcited about the type of player that they have outside of this. So I'm going to give the Bucks a C for this draft. But I'm a good, I'm going to be kind and give them a C plus because there's so much potential here. There's so much potential here. Especially if Alex Kappa turns out to be a real Ali Marpet. I really believe that this, this can be a really good draft for them. If they can at least pull... Four starters from this draft, I, w- I would have to change this grade to a B. Um, but I'm going to come back and change this grade um, to a C-plus for the Bucks, And that is all. Overall, um, I think, you know, every year the NFC South is very competitive. It changes every year. The winner um, of the NFC South is always determined based on the play inside the season. Three of the teams from the NFC South went to the NFC playoffs last year. Those teams will still be around this year. Carolina had a down year and still got to the playoffs. The New Orleans Saints had a really good year. I don't know how much they added to that. We'll see. Um, I don't think Marcus Davenport is somebody who comes in right away and start. They still have Alex Ogletree there. I think he starts to begin the year, and I think this guy, um, Marcus Davenport, becomes a rotational player. And if he's a rotational player and you moved up that far to go get him, unless he really kills it in the second and third year, I think they paid too much. But that's me. Um, Outside of that, um, we'll see how this all plays out. There's some rumors that something's going on between Julio and the team. I don't know how true that is, so let's figure that out. We'll, we'll, we'll see how that all plays out. It'll be out in, in the media soon if it's something real. But right now, it's just something that's going around um, with, with Atlanta fans. I am incredibly excited about the competition this year in NFC South. Last year was an incredible race towards the end. The Saints won out. We will see how this all plays out this year. I think everybody added to the overall lore of their team this year. Everybody added to the talent on their roster this year. And nobody made any moves that would make them take a step back. Everybody should be taking a step forward in NFC South. And a step forward for every team in NFC South is scary. Very scary for the rest of the league. All right. This has been Rick Sincere with Trackstar Sports. Y'all have a great and blessed day. Hey, this is Rick Sincere with Trackstar Sports. And if it's your first time listening to us because you've been having difficulties finding us, maybe you don't have an Apple. Maybe that's not your thing. And maybe you don't have Anchor. That's fine. Here's what you can do. If you have an Android, look. 
Look, all you have to do is go to the Android Play Store. You can download the Podcast Republic app. It is one of the most easiest, user-friendly apps out there. Just download the app, and once you download the app, you can catch our podcast all the time. Look for Trackstar Sports. It's right there in the feature station, so you don't have to look that far. Look for Trackstar Sports. Go ahead and subscribe, and we'll be very, very grateful. All right, you have a great day. God bless.